shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. David, we've talked a dozen times about wanting to have Kaylee and Russell Dickerson on our podcast. Yes, we have. Dickersons, if you are listening, please give us a call. (laughs) Yes, but until that call comes in, thankfully, we can connect with Kaylee through her amazing podcast, which is on our beloved TSF network, Coffee with Kaylee. She is back for season three. As a touring wife and mother, Kaylee Dickerson gets to the heart of the matter with the people that matter most to her. She and her friends will catch up over a cup of coffee, sharing intimate stories of their lives. She's interviewed her husband, country music artist, Russell Dickerson, and our friends, Lauren Akins and Annie F. Downs, just to name a few. Be sure to check out Coffee with Kaylee. She invites you to come have coffee with her and her friends as they catch up, open up, and have conversations for the soul. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. We're back. We're back. Stage two. We're just going to camp out here for a long time. We are. We just might do stage two, part B, stage two, part C, because it's just so fun to keep talking about these little people. It makes me want to go get on my bike with my ponytails and ride around. No, I know. Lack of self-consciousness. There was a lot of bike riding going on in stage two for us, wasn't there? There was a lot of bike riding. I know. Well, on that note, thinking back on this stage in your life, what would you say was something that you needed? Hmm. I think I needed time with my mom and I needed time with my dad. And for very different reasons, I think I I really craved their attention and approval and connection 
but I think it, it probably came out as attention and approval, but I really wanted just to have a relationship with them and spend time with them. And I'm so aware of how that shifted in the next stage, which we're going to talk about. You're going to have to get a lot of chocolate, maybe a margarita <laughs> before we talk about the next stage of development. But you know stage, what's so interesting to hear you say that? I remember when I did the research for Wild Things, reading about seven to eight years of age being a peak point when kids crave more one-on-one mm. time with their parents. So that makes so much sense mm. to think about hearing you say you needed yes, that. Yes, yes. Okay, can I say something really kind of unusual that I think I needed? Yes. Team sports. And Talk some, about why. Well, you know, I... I'm really aging myself with this. But when I was growing up, there just weren't a lot of team sports for girls, sadly. And as an only child at that age, I don't think I had a sense not only of how to work as a team. I did not do that well, but I didn't know how to disappoint other people. I didn't know how to lose or be responsible for a loss. And I didn't know how to win either or be responsible for something like that. I just didn't want the attention on me in any way. And I think... I wish that there had been more opportunities to be on softball teams and basketball teams and lacrosse or whatever it was, you know, that would have been an option at my school. I just can't say enough about the importance. And I think, again, because like we've been talking about that, that desire to please for girls, I think it's so good for them to be in places where sometimes they can't and sometimes they disappoint and they see that they hopefully still have relationship because, it's a team of girls with some kindness, <laughs> and we might have to work a little harder to find that in this day and time. But but I do think it's just so important, and I, I feel like I would be different as a team player had I had it. That's great. Well. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater child care needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rvg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency. 
and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to windycom slash RBG to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to WYNDY.com slash RBG. What about you? I would say, so you've heard Sissy and I talk before about how we are both Enneagram ones. Mm -hmm. And when I look back over my story, I would say this is the stretch of development where it first must have become really obvious that I was one. Because three years in a row, I got the Good Citizen Award. Did you? (laughs) Yes. I believe it. Mm -hmm. And I remember being a common pick when... The teacher would leave the room, and back in the 70s when you and I were in elementary school, what would often happen is the teacher would have to leave the room to go get something from the office, and they would pick someone in the room to write names on the board if yes. people weren't yes. same for you. I remember this. Yes, and now I look back and think, you were always picking the Enneagram ones to do that because you <laughs> knew that we would tattle on everyone, and we were going to be zoned in on who wasn't doing the right thing. And I think out of that, I must have needed a lot of affirmation that I was doing the right thing mm. because I, I remember being kind of fed and fueled by winning the Good Citizen Award and being chosen for that. And, you know, as I think on that, even to hearing you tell that story, like I think it was both what I needed and what I didn't need mm. because it kind of furthered that good citizen tendency in me that I was only good when I was doing the right thing. And, you know, I laugh about it now because several years ago I was leading a second through fourth grade boys group and two thirds of the boys in that group were firstborns. And I'm convinced Mm -hmm. emerging Enneagram one, several of them. And so it's the only time in my history of leading groups that I had to add in no tattling to <laughs> the group rules because uh, they were confidentiality, yeah, no tattling. <laughs> exactly. They kept wanting to point out anything that someone else was doing, quote unquote, wrong or when they weren't doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. so I think because that tendency can be so strong in yes. us as yes. ones early on and that we see everything that's wrong first, not what's mm-hmm. right, including when people are making the wrong choices. And so... All of that shared to say, I think that would probably be my answer to that question. Mm, which goes along with what you were saying about who they are, about being little police, too. Yes. But that's a part of it. All of that yes. was in the mix, no doubt yes. about it. Hey, and I think we need to say, again, if somebody's hopping on and you're just joining this podcast, go back and listen to the previous stages, even if your kids are older, because there are things that are foundationally true at every stage of a child's life. Yes, and, and listen ahead because you want to know what's coming. It's helpful in both directions. Yes. I laugh and say, when I talk about toddler age boys, you'd swear I'm talking about teenage boys sometimes <laughs> and adult men on occasion. Like there are a lot of similarities. So we could learn through all the ages and stages, but we're super excited to camp out today and talk more about mm. stage two kids. Okay, let's go back to the lever. Tell me what Henry needs because okay. I'm here for it. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about stage two boys and what they need. And we're going to focus in on two things. And the first that I would say is this little guy needs reprieve. So at some point in this stage, 
unless you are a homeschooling parent, he's going to begin his formal schooling experience. And in our country, we use what's called the compulsory model, and it's basically this eight to three model. And it's going to require a lot of things from kids. It's going to require a good amount of sitting still and paying attention, both of which tend to be <laughs> hard things for stage two mm. boys, hard things for a lot of stages of boys. And when he comes out of this environment, he needs room to move. He needs to play. He needs to run. He needs to climb. He needs to not have to follow instructions. You know, there's so many things about the way we do schooling uh, in our country that bends toward a girl's strengths. It tends to be heavy on written and verbal expression, and those aren't often a boy's greatest strengths. It tends to involve a lot of the executive functioning skills, which tend to be more her strengths. And so because this is the case, I often say to parents, when boys come out of this you know, space, they have expended a lot of mental energy, a lot of emotional energy, a lot of relational energy, and they are worn out. And so it's why I so commonly hear parents report it happened just this week. I think three times in my office heard parents of boys of different age. Like he gets in the car and he won't tell me one single thing about his day. You know, he's just spent. The tank is empty. And so I think it's an incredible gift if we don't force boys in those moments. But we offer him some reprieve even on the drive home and saying, hey, would you want to just listen to some music? Like, would that be fun? And just let him stare out the window, let him daydream, let him turn his brain off. A lot of boys want to go home and maybe watch a show. And I think that's an opportunity for him to experience reprieve and kind of refuel. So I would prioritize a snack, a good snack, get some fuel in his system, some great opportunity for movement, some reprieve is so much of what he is needing, I think, in this space in a lot of moments and in particular when he comes out of Monday through Friday school. And you're okay with screens being reprieve? I am okay with what I'll call passive watching. So I would love for him to not come home and immediately get on some video games. That wouldn't be my preference. But watching a show, when we've kind of studied kids' brains, watching a show is way different than interacting with video games, passive versus active watching. And so I would say I think that's a whole different experience with screens. In addition to, I think it can be, as we talk about, a really neat connecting points for parents to watch a show with them and have a conversation about it. And so there's just so much, I think, opportunity when we're watching shows and movies with kids, then they're just plugged into a video game on their own or have a headset on. So I would say think on that. And in particular, folding in a lot of movement because he's been sedentary for likely so much of that day. David, I heard recently that once you pass your 40th birthday, you can't lift furniture and help people move anymore. Your contribution is to bring the sandwiches. <laughs> that is fantastic advice. You know what else you shouldn't do past 40? Ride in the back seat of a van because you'll probably get car sick. Yes, that is so true. But some people get car sick in the front seat. I'm one of those. <laughs> Have you ever had to pull over because someone was car sick? Thank goodness for relief van. You know, I've been raving about Relief Band since I went on a cruise and didn't get seasick. I remember. It is the number one anti-nausea wristband that quickly relieves and effectively prevents nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. 
Relief Band is natural, fast acting, and will last as long as you need it. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and has zero side effects. Relief Band has an a Better Business Bureau rating and over 100,000 satisfied customers. So they are a brand you can trust. And Relief Band makes a great gift for the nausea sufferer in your life. I think I'm going to put one in everyone's stocking this year for travel or trips. That is a great idea. Right now, Relief Band is running their biggest sale of the year for Black Friday. So head over to ReliefBand.com to receive 20% off your purchase, plus free shipping. That's R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com for 20% off, plus free shipping. Sissy, I was at Henry, your nephew's house recently, and I saw his Hia Health vitamin bottle. He loved decorating that bottle. He asked me if I took my vitamins. <laughs> of course he did. I told him I 100% did and that Hia vitamins were my favorite. I love that it never occurred to him that I might be too old for children's vitamins. <laughs> Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. Filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved superpower chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with the yummy taste they love. I have some gaps in my modern diet. <laughs> it is heavy on tacos and ice cream, so it's helping me out as well. Well, Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. And parents need less to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com RBG. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash R-B-G and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. And I would say, secondly, I think he needs regulation. He struggles to regulate often in all the ways. He struggles to regulate his body. I talked this week with a set of parents whose son, the report from his teacher is he's handsy in the hallways. I get a lot of those stories. <laughs> handsy in the hallways. I bet you don't get quite as many of those stories with girls, do No, you? but I, I do want to say, as you're starting this, that that girls who have attention hurdles are going to fall much more in line with where you're headed with boys. Yeah. And so I... I I feel like if you have a daughter who's got some attention challenges, I want you to really lean into what David yes. says because they're a little handsy in the hallways. Oh, yes. Yeah. Poking at friends, provoking friends, impulse control, tackling friends there. to right. the ground, all the different things. And so it's harder for him to regulate his body. It's harder for him to regulate his emotions, which is why I wrote Strong and Smart. I want so badly for boys to be building tools this early. This is an idea deal window. If if we could start with stage one and stage two boys teach, teaching them to regulate their emotions, I think it can change the game for the long haul. Mm. Now, for any parent of... Girls too. 
a pre-med or late adolescent that you're not there, that's a great time to pick up too. For any dads who are listening who struggle to regulate emotions, we can start wherever we are. But if we can start on the front side, that would certainly be my preference because I, you know, laughed in the last episode and said, I so often hear parents say, he loves big, he melts down big. You know, it like shows up. It's at two sides of the same coin, double-edged sword. It's like, he is so tender and he can be so empathetic and so compassionate and so loving. And then on the other side, he can have these enormous meltdowns as well. And so it's, you know, early into the journey, helping boys feel the sense of I can have more control over my emotions than they have control over me. And right. so that's why I really wanted so much to put Strong and Smart out as a resource for what I hope parents will do is read with boys and go through. Mm-hmm. That's so much of what I've heard you talk about with Braver, Stronger, yeah, Smarter, too, because I think it anchors us to common language and common practices. Mm. And then I would say, back to screens, he struggles greatly to regulate with screens. You know, it's why I so often hear parents say, like, he loses his mind when I say it's time to turn off. When is he going to know he's had too much? And I just don't think as boys' brains are developing, they reach that point early of knowing, you know what, I think I probably, my brain's kind of turning to mush. I, th- I think I should turn the video games off right now. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to help him set those healthy limits when he does have opportunities uh, to interact with screens because he can't regulate well. Now, the long game is training him in the direction of being able to do that for himself, but that's not something he can do well on the front side of development. So it's why we've got to put those limits in place and why we talk so often about the good decision of giving kids a contract when they get a device. So when they get their first iPad or their first um, gaming system, that that comes with a really basic short contract that just kind of outlines, here's what responsible use looks like. And here are the consequences if you don't use that responsibly. And so would strongly recommend you think in moving in that direction for this amazing little guy who's going to struggle to regulate. What would you say Mm. about girls? That's all so good. Such great reminders, David. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Well, girls, in terms of what she needs, I mean, there are a lot of things, but one that I feel like it's really important to talk about is protection. And not just protection, but really conversation with you as her mom and dad. And and I think moms particularly for you to lean in in this time, because from a statistical standpoint, we are now looking at one in four girls who are sexually abused before the age of 18. And we're looking at one in six boys. And so we need to talk about it in both places. And I want you to talk about the changes in their bodies, certainly. And we would go back to our friends, Megan and Mary Flo from Birds and Bees. They are hands down our favorite resource in terms of how to have conversations about sex, about puberty, about their changing bodies. But they need to hear from you first, not from the school nurse first. That is not the first conversation. You know, we talk about this so much, but in all things as a parent, you want to be the source. And certainly in this really important conversation too. And so having a conversation about our body before it starts to change or when you notice the first, very first little thing, have a conversation and about protecting our body. And we have a book that we love by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb called God Made All of Me. And it does a beautiful job in a very non-scary way of talking to kids about 
protecting their bodies, preventatively thinking about abuse. I mean, even things like when someone asks you to keep a secret, it's never healthy. Talking about how it can be a family member, things that I think when we're just talking off the cuff and trying to think of all the things we might forget, it just covers them all in a really beautiful way. I wish every family in the country had a copy of Me that Me too. It's just, it's so good. And so I think to have a conversation about that because the median age for reporting abuse is nine. So we're looking at it in this window. And I think, you know, I, I really would say not only do we know there's never been as much confusion about this in kids' lives, but I also feel like I've never heard as much experimentation happening. Yes. You too? Oh, absolutely. And so thinking about as you're having conversations like this, I think it's a great policy to always have open doors. Yes. When you have kids who are playing together, same or opposite gender, it does not matter. But I I just think we want to do everything we can to set them up to um, be safe, to be confident in choices, to be confident in their response to others, to know that we've got their back, you know, all of those things I think are just really important. And as a side note, I don't want... I really wish that before a girl hit the age of 16, way before, every girl took a self-defense course somewhere because I'll never forget a girl that I met with who was at a high school football game going to the bathroom and someone pushed her in this public setting up against a fence and molested her. And she said the same story I have heard every single time of, I felt paralyzed. And and I think there's something about taking a course like that, that not that, I mean, you may still feel paralyzed, but you know what to do. And I think just the fact that you know what you can do somehow feels empowering and it can help you not get to that place emotionally that feels so paralyzing. So that those would be big recommendations for me in terms of protection and conversation. And then, I mean, I really wish we had time to talk about more than two things, but we don't. But perspective is a big one, which I talk a lot about for girls and are my kids on track that it just feels so important. But I think we need to talk about in this day and time, Grace. And there is a quote from a book that we love and an, a psychologist who's going to be on our podcast soon that we are so excited about, Leonard Sachs. And he says this, and David, I want you to speak to if you think this is true. He says, more and more boys are developing an Epicurean ability to enjoy themselves, to enjoy video games, pornography, food, and sleep. But they often don't have the drive and motivation to succeed in the real world outside their bedroom. More and more of their sisters have that drive and motivation in abundance, but they don't know how to relax, how to have fun and enjoy life. For many of these girls, each accomplishment is only a stepping stone to the next goal. I could not agree more. Mm. I could not agree more. Yeah, Yeah, me too for girls. I mean, it has blown me away the amount of perfectionism that I have seen in the last Really, the last two years, I would say, I mean, I've always seen it in girls, but it has skyrocketed in the last two years. And so I think as a family, you know, to be aware of that in her, I think just like you're talking about, this is the age you became aware of being a one. I think this is the age I feel like most girls not only start to become really aware of their, their failures, but they start talking to themselves atrociously, that they start to become so hard on themselves. And so... A couple of things in light of that. One is I want you to be talking about failure around the dinner table of your home regularly. 
that you as a parent are saying, I did the dumbest thing at work today, or I think I really hurt my friend's feelings, or I can't believe I did X and embarrassed myself because you in this window are still their heroes. And as their hero, when you mess up, it helps them know it's okay when they do too. And they're aware of their mess ups here. They know it's happening. And so talking like that in front of them is so important. I I want you to do things like, I want you to spill something on the table. I mean, I want them to see you fail. And in fact, I've started telling families, I want you to go do something as a family that no one can do well together. And not only that, I mean, I want you to go to a batting cage if you're not as athletic of a family. I want you to go paint pottery if you're not as creative. I don't care what it is. Find something you can do together. And I want them to watch you struggle and I want them to watch you laugh at yourself yes. when you do. Because I think that's such an important part of it that just that simple act of, I talk about in the worry-free parent practicing more oops than shoots. And that sense of it's just not that big of a deal. I, I think for perfectionists, that is not in our DNA. It's not that big of a deal when we mess up. And man, I think the heartache, the emotional pain, the... Um, the the anxiety that we could help kids avoid if we can get to, we all mess up and we can laugh at ourselves in the process because we are still who we are. We are still loved. You know, none of that changes when we make a mistake. And so I want you to do things together, struggle, fail, laugh at yourself in the process, laugh together, let your kids laugh at you sometimes and laugh when they do. All of those are such huge gifts for them. And We know that we need Jesus to the degree that we know that we're sinners. And so when we're talking about those things, we're expanding their awareness of desire for grace, I think, in a way that nothing else can, too, because they know in this season. And I think it's why so many of our faith journeys started somewhere around later elementary, early middle school. All those things are are really setting in in this window. So I think those would be my two biggest things, mm. protection, conversation around that, and grace that we're talking about that. I just, I don't think we can do it enough for Those girls. Those are so important. Wow. And I think we talk about this so much, but the spirituality of girls is not impacting their emotional lives to the degree that I wish it was. And I think when we can be talking about how desperately we need grace and the difference it makes for us, I think too, that just is going to turn on some light bulbs for them in a way that matters deep in their bones. And and that's so much of what we want for them. Yes. Yeah. David, last weekend we had two connecting flights, which translated to zero time to get food during a long travel day. And I get hangry easily. You kind of do, but thank goodness AG1 sponsors our podcast and we had some individual packets with us. I love those individual packets we throw in our backpacks. They are so easy to mix with water or a smoothie and you've got nutrition on the go. I can tell a difference when I use AG1, even in my energy level. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. 
Even my friends and family have started drinking AG1 and they always mention how much more energetic they feel and they love getting the nutrients their body craves. I do it every morning in a smoothie and then I can check off my list getting good stuff in my body. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash RBG. That's drinkag1.com slash RBG. Check it out. Sissy, I don't mean to brag, but I do feel the need to point out that Oprah and I have several things in common. Well, I've never heard you say that before, David. Tell me what those things are. We are both from Tennessee. We both love to read books. We both have a friend named Gail. (laughs) And we both love Cozy Earth Sheets. So many similarities. I could have gone on and on, but I stopped with the Cozy Earth Sheets. Cozy Earth's bamboo sheet set was named one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. Well, it's one of my favorite things in 2023. That I know for certain. David, did you know that Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheet set is not just incredibly soft, but also temperature regulating? It is one of my favorite things. These sheets are helping my marriage. Connie likes her side of the bed to be like Florida in July, and I want my side to feel like Colorado in January. I cannot get it cool enough. I love how Cozy Earth's linen collection adds a breezy, classic charm to my space. My house guests always comment on them. Well, that is so kind of you. I don't share them with my house guests, but I guess I should. ExploreCozyEarth.com for the latest in bedding. From cashmere blends to timeless textures, they've got it all. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners today. Visit CozyEarth.com and get up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code RAISING. Should we offer some takeaways? Sure. Okay, I thought of one. Okay. Thinking about the conversation we shared about reprieve and movement, I think one takeaway I want to challenge parents listening to consider, especially if we think about building in rhythms on the front side of development with stage two kids, is to think about as much movement-based connection as possible. You know, whether it's walking the dog together as a family, going on family hikes, going canoeing, particularly in this age of technology when kids are so drawn to screens and being sedentary. I think we can't think enough about that where it's exercise and movement, but in the context of connection. And I, I don't think I've even told you this, but I have heard more stories lately. I love it when I hear this of kids who are playing pickleball with their grandparents. And I love that. That's awesome. You know, I would on occasion hear boys talk about going to play golf with their grandfathers or maybe playing tennis with their grandmother sometimes, but I just don't hear a lot of movement-based experiences that span three generations. And Mm. I think last Thanksgiving, I can remember my kids in college playing pickleball with their grandfather, you know, and I have heard countless kids, young kids, that it's a sport that they feel like they can do both with their parents and their grandparents. And I think, isn't that fun? I love that sport for a thousand reasons, but I think that one maybe is at the top of the list. Mm. What would you say for a a takeaway? 
Well, I mean, I think thinking about girls and what we were just talking about in terms of grace, I mean, I, I think so much is about to shift. In a girl's life, the change from this season to the next is definitely the most significant shift they're going to go through. And, and, and thinking about in today's world what I would want girls to know moving into that. I think this is a time we want to really speak to their identity. We want to remind them regularly who they are, what they're capable of, and we want to give them places to experience it and prove it. And not prove it in a way that they have to rise up to something, but where they learn for themselves that they're capable. And so finding activities that they love, things they're passionate about, and you may have to try several in the process, doing things with them where we can say, that was so brave, or man, I love your courage, or I love your thoughtfulness, or your kindness to others. I want us to be calling those things out in them. I just think we can't do enough in this little window of time of shoring them up for the self-consciousness they're going to hit in the next stage. And and even the, I mean, more than that, I would say self-hatred that I see so many girls swim around in in the next window. And so what can we do to remind them of who they are to, to be kind of scaffolding around their real identities as it gets shaken in the next window? And now we get to hear some great truth from Melissa. So here is some great truth. This first passage is in Romans 8, 15 through 17, and this is from the message. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? It's adventurously expectant. That, to me, describes much of this age group. There's one other passage that I go to a lot with this this particular age group. Uh, besides Romans 8 and all of Romans 8, I think it's so great to read with these kids. But in uh, Romans 12, verse 1, and again, taken from the message, and... Um, It says, uh, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to school. I changed that. It says going to work, but I changed it to school. And walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And again, all of Romans 12, as as I'm sure you well know, uh, speaks so much of what it means to live uh, the life that God has intended for us, this free life because of what he did for us at the cross and because of we live a resurrected life. I really like to read Romans 8 and Romans 12 with this particular age group. I really love to teach this age. I, I love to think about what they need, what they want. They are so spiritually responsive. I think about times when we are at camp, and one of the first things I say to them is, okay, who gets to pray? And their hands fly up. Or I may say, turn to Romans 8, 15, and they don't just casually turn to Romans 8, 15 or just stare at me. They race to find it, and then they stand up to see who's the first that's found it, who can read it. And then there's the prayer that we say uh, 
I guess you would call it prayer, a prayer. It's a little irreverent at times, but it is, good morning, Lord. This is your day. I'm your child. Show me the way. We say that every morning at camp for this particular age group and younger. And we do it really fast, and they've made up verses to it. Or then we'll do it really slow. Or then the girls will have a part, and the boys will have a part. And we'll laugh and and just go up and down, acting it out. They have such passion, and they are adventurously expectant. Now, our older camps, I rarely start with who gets to pray. But because many of them have been there since they were a whole lot younger, they want to begin with that. Even if I say, who wants to pray? They say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not right. Melissa said, who gets to pray? They will always correct me there. And then as I go on and, and begin to teach, there will always be one that will raise their hand and say, can we do good morning, Lord? And they want to go back to it. They want to go back to what we used to do. They want to go back to a familiar rhythm. And that's really the word that I want you to remember today. What does it mean to have a spiritual rhythm? I feel like when we think about what do these kids need, I believe it's rhythm. But it starts with you. If you will turn to Matthew 11, this scripture is for you and me. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. This is for you, for the parents, for the grandparents, for the teachers, for anyone that's with this very adventurously expectant group. Are you tired? You can answer that if you want to. Worn out? You can answer that one. Are you burned out? And Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me. I love that, get away. How often do we say, if I could just get away? Well, this is what Jesus is saying. Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And then this is the phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So what do you need? What do I need? What do those kids need at this stage? Well, many things, but one thing that I just have been reminded of today and want to remind you of is rhythm, to have, to experience an unforced rhythm of grace. Rhythm being, it's a a pattern in time, a regularly repeated pattern of movement. And then there's nothing like it when you share rhythm with other people. But what does it mean spiritually? Well, I have to go back to a time when I had, and I've spoken about this a few times because it had such an impact on my life. In 1993, I had an accident. I was riding my bicycle and I was hit by something. I don't know. It was a hit and run accident. And from that, I had, uh, among a few other things, I had a head injury, a head injury that impacted me in many ways. Uh, How I talked, what I remembered, um, just my sense of rhythm. 
And that was one of the most frustrating things. I felt like uh, I stumbled a lot. I couldn't dance. I wasn't great before, but I really lost my rhythm in dancing or getting back on a bicycle. Another area that I lost my rhythm in was an area that I loved so much and still do, was snow skiing. I went with a group to go snow skiing, and it was the most frustrating thing in the world. I could not get my rhythm to ski. I tried so hard, and as many of, of you do, I would start to think, okay, put your weight on the downhill ski. Put your weight, no, on the uphill ski. Lean forward, no, watch out. Uh, and I was talking to myself all the time. And then I would just get to the place where it was like, who cares? And uh, I won't tell you what happened when I had that attitude. But it was very frustrating. And I knew the experience of what it was like to ski down the mountain and be able to flow and to turn and to enjoy, not think so hard. I lost my rhythm. Well, one day on the slopes, I told everyone to go on down the mountain because I was frustrated. Don't wait on me. Go on, go on. I just sat there and I watched people ski. And then I saw a ski class. And I watched and I heard the ski instructor say, follow me, follow me. So I joined them from a distance and I began to follow that ski instructor. It was so simple. I could just follow him. And it began to come back to me. The rhythm began to come back to me. I did that day after day. I took a lesson and one particular ski instructor I had kept telling me things to do and I could not get it in my head. But when I watched someone go down the mountain, I could see, I could begin to feel, I began to have that rhythm. What does this age need? They need their own spiritual rhythm. But the way that they begin to have a rhythm, a constancy, a freedom in moving in their life and having a relationship with Jesus is first through watching, watching someone else, having an example. And that would be you. That would be you as you pray with them, as they learn how to develop their own prayer language, how in Bible study, Having, uh, I, I love uh, the first message that Eugene Peterson put out uh, years ago. And he says four words, and this is how it's divided up. Read, think, pray, live. Read the scripture. Think about it. Then pray it. And then what it means to live it out. And I think that is a great place to start. But there's a rhythm that we can develop that starts to become more natural. And it starts to become a way of life. This particular age group, they can learn the rhythm, a spiritual rhythm, a rhythm in praying, a rhythm in having a relationship with God. But it's not through teaching and telling them over and over and over. But they will learn by watching you. They will learn by experiencing you. They will develop that rhythm. I was with a Bible study group that I teach on Wednesday morning, and uh, I, we were talking about Corey Tinboon, 
and how she said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? So simple. But I thought so often we don't have that unforced rhythm of grace because so often I think it's start, stop, try hard, think. But there is something about when you have a rhythm when it more of guiding you day in and day out, like we've read in Romans, where it's the everyday, the everyday where you establish this rhythm of the everyday. And it begins to take hold in these kids in a way that I think is so fun because, as I said at the beginning, they're so responsive. This is the time. This age is so receptive. Having rhythm has more to do with practice than it does with doing it perfect or having a sense of control. So now is an exciting time to help, to guide, to be an example, and they will watch you. And what a gift you have right now because they wanna learn from you have a rhythm that they will come back to for years and years to come. Thank you. If you are enjoying the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, click follow on your podcast listening app to subscribe and not miss an episode. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls.